0: Thanks for looking in on another Richard Pyatt show, specifically another Summit Point series. This time we're talking with Megan and Amy about something called mental health first aid training. Let's find out what that means. Welcome back to you both.
1: Hello. Thank you for having us. Thank you.
0: So we know what mental health means. We know what first aid means. What does it really mean when you put these together and make a training out of it?
1: So
2: Mental Health First Aid is an early intervention public education program, and it teaches adults how to recognize the signs and symptoms that suggest a potential mental health challenge. Also how to listen non-judgmentally and give reassurance to a person who may be experiencing a mental health challenge, and then how to refer that person to appropriate professional support and services. One of the ways we do this is through an acronym um, called ALGIE, which is to assess for the risk of suicide or harm, to listen non-judgmentally, to give reassurance and information, encourage appropriate professional help, and then encourage self-help and other support strategies. And that's really what we're working on during this. um, It's actually a seven and a half hour training.
0: Okay. So who takes this training then? Who are you focused on?
1: We usually ask at the beginning of any course that we teach, how many of you have taken CPR training? And, you know, you usually get 90% of your class at some point in their life has taken a a CPR and a certified course of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. But when you ask how many people have taken a mental health first aid course, you get way less hands. And so um, this course is really intended for folks of non-clinical backgrounds, or clinical if they'd like some nice refreshers, but just lay folks, get a general understanding of um, signs and symptoms of mental illness, and then really how to intervene in those situations. So oftentimes we'll hear from folks, I feel uncomfortable in these situations. I'm not sure what to do if somebody reports they're experiencing mental health signs and symptoms. And so this training really provides folks with that ability to recognize and then the ability to do something. But just like CPR, we don't expect when you're CPR trained, we're not the surgeon, right? We're not going in there (laughs) and providing the surgery. We're referring them to appropriate treatment. And that's really the same logic that mental health first aid uses. So you're in there to provide some intervention, but ultimately it's your job as a first aider to connect them.
0: Well, that makes a a heck of a lot of sense. Amy, when you think about folks who would want to take this training, first of all, I would imagine we'd say everyone should probably be exposed to this, right? But when you meet people who take it, are you finding that it's people who've been affected by mental illness in some way, and so they're motivated more? I mean, how do you connect these opportunities with folks, and then who's generally motivated to do it?
2: I think a lot of times the people who we um, find in our classes are people who are a helping type already. Like Megan said, they've already done other different trainings that would help people. Um, They're just really interested in being kind and being a nice person and being as helpful as they can. Because a lot of these things are about observation and intervention, um, to your fellow coworkers, to your family. You know, there might be maybe somebody's had an incident in their family or ha- uh, has heard of an incident with a coworker or a coworker's family, and they just genuinely want to be able to be prepared um, to help. You hear that a lot. They know that if another family has suffered, someone in their neighborhood, um, and they just want to feel pre- better prepared when these situations arise.
0: Yeah, interesting. You know, Megan, if you think about your CPR example, you have, a, I think, a contingency of folks who say, I do want to help. I want to learn that. And then if a situation presents itself where they could spring into action, maybe they're a little reticent. Do you find that in this case, uh, folks do step forward? I mean, I guess it's a, a little bit of a different kind of situation than CPR, but still, they recognize something that is derived from the training they received and now they need to act, do they generally do it or are they reticent?
1: I've had the privilege of being a mental health first aid um, instructor for a a number of years now. And so often I'll hear folks who take the course um, say, gosh, I this really makes sense. And I feel a lot more confident in intervening. I just was unsure what to say prior to, or I didn't want to say the wrong thing in these sorts of situations and cases. And so I um, believe so strongly in the fact that everyone could benefit from this course. We know the prevalence of mental illness is about one in four. And so the likelihood that you are going to come in contact with someone with a mental health disorder or condition in your life is quite high. I've heard folks who have taken courses afterwards say, you know, gosh, I just I knew what to say or. I knew what not to say. And so just feeling a bit more confident and recognizing what might be going on with someone and then knowing what to do in terms of intervention.
0: Well, you and your colleagues always say something that strikes me and that one in four just did it. Let that sink in for a minute. One in four. So, Amy, when you talk about knowing what to say or knowing what not to say and just mental health overall. There are a number of mental health conditions out there, right? But this training then is sort of all-encompassing. So does it require a trainee to now be able to discern one from another and, and change it? How does that work?
2: You're talking to um, the least clinical person who works at Summit Point, pretty much. Um, me and me and Jordan, um, our creative designer. Um, we're not clinical at all. We have backgrounds and careers that have brought us here to be part of this great organization, but we are not clinical. But we work for the most clinical person at Summit Point, which is Megan. Um, but I'm an instructor in this course, just like Megan is, because it is about skimming the surface, looking for signs and symptoms, what will help you remember what to say, and then practicing. Practicing caring words of things to say, um, mainly that lead you to, I care about you and I want you to get help. You don't have to be clinical at all to understand this. Um, we talk about different groups and types of disorders and things, but you we're not there to diagnose. Over and over and over, we'll tell people, you're not really gonna figure out what this is, but you have noticed something with a neighbor, a coworker, and just what things to look out for. And it it gets pretty simple when you think about it. You're looking for things like: Are you no longer as well groomed as you used to be? Are you no longer coming to lunch with us? Are you no longer on time when you used to always be on time? It's just looking for those things like that, and then being able to take yourself to that person and say, "I really care about you, and I see a change. Um, do you want to talk?" can i get you some help and then another part of the training is providing people with resources so they feel prepared here's where you call here's where you text here's your local resources here's your national resources here are the places you can provide for this person to get help and it's just really a build up of a combination of all those you kind of at the you get to the end of the training and you kind of hear this big sigh of relief
0: i just did it you just did that for me
2: <laughs> right right
0: i was having I won't say anxiety, but I was having a little pressure thinking about this. I'm not a professional. How do I do this? And you said two things that made a lot of sense. A, you're not a clinical person. And B, this is a a general primer that helps you just on the basic level. Boy, both of those things took a huge weight off my shoulders and just putting myself in this situation just in my own mind. So this means... That uh, if, if I can feel that way, uh, other folks can feel this way too, right? That uh, if you're sitting here wondering what kind of a process this is and and how do I how would I do this, I think we just neutralize some of the anxiety. Wow, Thank you for doing that. So obviously, folks click on this episode, they hear this. This is somewhat of a general discussion. Are you able to say, uh, just generally speaking, how often these trainings are offered and then how folks can get on a list to be a part of it?
1: Yes, we offered this historically. COVID really kind of got in the mix of it being able to offer in-person trainings. So we're really hoping we can get back to more of these in-person trainings. Um, in addition, Mental Health First Aid, did because it is a, an international model that's existed for a number of years, um, they took the time during COVID to kind of adjust models and, and do offer portions of it virtually as well. Um, So that became an option for folks. We hope, again, to bring it in person. And that's um, really what we're looking to start up again. Amy can share her uh, contact information. She's the contact uh, person for our organization. We have started training organizations. So folks will come to us and say, come in and and train. And again, this could be open to anyone. I've trained folks who work at restaurants, again, have zero clinical background or necessarily need to know um, that information for their line of work, right? It's not something they think that they're doing on a daily basis, but again, could come across, as I said earlier, as as the prevalence is quite high. So we'll come in and we'll train organizations. If individuals are interested, we can have them sign up. And once we get a class together, uh, they can be a part of it. It actually has a free training. So we're offering it to our community for free, which includes uh, instructors. And then you leave with some material. So uh, quite a bit of uh, materials and books that we also provide as part of this training.
0: All right. So what we'll do is in the show notes for this episode, just scroll down and a link will be there and you can make contact that way and uh, inquire about specific dates and opportunities to participate in this training so uh, think about that mental health first aid training you know you said something else megan that that struck me and that is someone working in a restaurant for example who who might decide to take this training imagine someone who works with the public and the potential they have to say something to help someone because they interact with so many different people all the time. How amazing that is!
1: I can't say it enough that I really truly believe this is a training for anyone that anyone could benefit from it. Just like, just like I said earlier with CPR, I hope one day, at least in the the time of my career, I see that folks take mental health first aid with the frequency that we take CPR.
0: And that sounds like a perfect place to end. Check the show notes for more details. Amy and Megan, thank you for this episode.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us.